Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right, my friends. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. And I tell you, if this, if what happened yesterday in, well, with the uh, testimony, right, before the Senate, with the generals and so forth, Millie and... Others, if this would have happened with Trump, I mean, the calls for impeachment would have been ringing louder than anything fathomable. I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable when you look at when you look at what, how much we've been deceived here, how much we've been lied to here by none other than President Joseph R. Biden himself. And that is what we are contending with here. The President of the United States has lied to the American people about the advice and recommendations given to him by generals, by folks, the upper echelon in the United States military, joint chiefs, upper, you know, just folks who... um, are there making decisions, providing... Of course, it's ultimately the president's decision. It is ultimately the decision of the president of the United States. Right? The buck stops here. That's what Biden tells us. Hey, man, the buck stops here. Well, the buck has stopped there. And you told us... In fact, I'm going to play this soundbite here. You told us in an interview with George Stephanopoulos... Bear with me on that. So we're about to cue this this baby up. So this is, this happened, what was this, a couple of, uh, several weeks back. Biden, of course, pulled out of Afghanistan, creating a massive problem. We still, by the way, still have people there who are trying to get out who are Americans We don't talk about this. This isn't in the story anymore in the media. I've said on here before, and I I stand by this. Benghazi was terrible. But what we're dealing with in Afghanistan is worse. I I don't even like to say that because it's worse in the sense of magnitude. The, The decision, the more that we learn about these things, the more we realize it's the same, it's the same, uh, basic, series of events, right? You have people who are trying to politically make a statement who are prepared to do anything, anything necessary up to and including abandoning American citizens, whether they be in Benghazi or in Afghanistan or wherever. That's where our two examples are. Certainly what this appears to me to be They are prepared to abandon these folks in order to stick with the political narrative, in order to stick with the political 
messaging, as we've talked about on this program before. And as you know, back in 2012, President Barack Obama, President Barack Obama was engaged in an election, right, in a campaign, I should say, at that point, prior to the election in September of 2012 against Mitt Romney and Obama, well, actually Biden, Biden in a vice presidential debate with Mike Pence said that since Obama and he took over, right, since since Bush left, Bush and Cheney were voted out, well, their term was up, um, Obama. The Biden-Bama administration started in 2009. Of course, they saved us. Oh, they saved us from tremendous financial calamity. They always tell us that, by the way. Oh, think how bad things would have been if we didn't do what we did. This is one of my favorite things that Democrats do. Oh, you, you know, things are really bad. Yeah, but think how bad they could have been if we didn't take the actions that we took. Um You ever think that maybe some of the problems were created by actions that you took to begin with? The actions that you tell us, tell us were the ones that saved us from calamity. These were the same actions, by the way, that led Barack Obama to later tell us um, that there was a new normal in the United States economy. And it wasn't, it didn't include any GDP growth of uh, 3%. Right, it was. I think it was two percent or less. That was the new normal. Then, of course, Trump comes along. All that changes, and suddenly, Obama's out there telling us his policies were just now, eight years after the fact, getting some traction and beginning to make a difference and benefit the American people. And they happen to coincide with a president who was taking the exact opposite actions, right? The exact opposite actions, freeing up. The American economy taking the boot off the neck of the American economy and allowing the country to prosper again by letting people imagine this keep keep more of what they've earned, what more of what they've created. Anyway, so that was what was happening in 2009. Biden in the debate, in the debate against Mike or not Mike, I said Mike Pence didn't I? It's Paul Ryan. The debate against Mike Pence, Joe Biden comes out and says, GM's alive and Osama bin Laden died, right? That was the narrative. The narrative was there is no more problem with terrorism because in the mind of the radical leftist, all we have to do is apparently kill or capture the person at the top of the uh, proverbial food chain, when it comes to when it comes to terrorism and suddenly terrorism ends on that day right 2011 was it May 1st or 2nd 2011 Osama bin Laden was killed by US special forces and of course that's a whole another thing altogether with the way that they talked about that and revealed identities of SEAL team whatever I don't want to get into that the point is the narrative was that terrorism was over we have a new president that came in and fixed all that because he went and apologized to the rest of the world on his worldwide apology tour and now everything was great there's a reason to re-elect barack obama except suddenly we had this mess in benghazi which it didn't take long at all to realize something was 
very, very wrong with the situation there. And the survivors told the story of what happened. Um, they still stand by their stories. And it's, it's awful. There's been a movie made, book written, all this stuff, talking about what happened at Benghazi and how they were effectively left to fend for themselves because, because the United States, the leaders at that time, which included the likes of Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, they decided that they didn't want to, in a campaign, before an election, they didn't want to have to acknowledge by action that terrorism was still a threat in the Middle East. And they abandoned. They abandoned the people there. They completely, unequivocally abandoned the people there. That's that's what we've heard. That's what certainly appears to me happened. Same general sort of setup is coming together here, and I've got a couple of sound bites to play, one of which um, is the testimony yesterday that completely and utterly contradicts what Biden told us, but it's the same sort of thing. Now, Biden, it's not, it's not um, before an election. This is actually after an election, but they've had a really, really difficult time. They have, their party is in disarray. Their party, um, they're fighting over this, these monstrosity uh, bills that are going through, potentially going through Congress. Nancy Pelosi's actually backtracked. Nancy Pelosi's a lot of things. I've said on here before, she's a very astute politician, whatever you want to think about that. But she's she knows how to play the game of politics. She's a radical. She's insane. She's bad for America. But she knows how to play the game of politics. She's since backed off of some of her demands. So we've got all this stuff happening, right, in Congress. We've got the Bernie Sanders wing, the Nancy Pelosi's, the AOC's, all these all these desires, the radical left, desire for freebies, more government spending. You've got moderates who are looking to not have to be reelected or face reelection with with going back to their constituents saying they voted for some of this stuff. And so there's there's turmoil yet again. And so Biden was wanting was wanting to have this moment prior to September 11th, 20th anniversary of 9/11. He wanted to have that point in time when he could stand before the American people and say, I'm the guy that brought troops home prior to September 11th, prior to the 20 years of fighting this war. I'm the guy that did that. And folks, he, they were, looks, it looks to me, or at least there's very serious questions and allegations here that seem to suggest they were prepared to do whatever it took to meet that rather... <laughs> It's it's arbitrary. It, it's not arbitrary in the sense that it's symbolic. The symbo- the symbolism coincides with, you know, the, the anniversary, so to speak, of nine eleven. But it's an arbitrary point in time in the sense that it's only for optics and because it was going to revolve around the dialogue of nine eleven, which is going to happen every year, no matter what, no matter what happens. So anyway, anyway, Biden was committed to this and. Turns out, surprisingly, there was at least some recommendations, if you listen to the testimony, that Biden keep troops in Afghanistan. And what it certainly appears like at this particular point in time, if the generals are telling the case, 
uh, the Biden administration said, no, we're, we have to bring troops home. We need the photo op. We need the headline. We need a story that's going to show that we are the ones who are ending this war, this 20-year quagmire, as they would frame it, in Afghanistan. And again, I remember asking on this program during all this chaos and pandemonium, what is, I'm not a, I'm not a general, you're not a general, but I remember asking, what is the, the harm of keeping a force of a couple thousand if it's kept things in order? And that appears to be what at least some of the recommendations were based upon testimony, sworn testimony, I might add, sworn testimony, folks under oath before Congress. They said that they recommended Biden keep a force of 2,500 and I think at one point earlier in the game, somewhere around 4,000 or 4,500 uh, troops in, in Afghanistan. I mean, we Biden and his administration and the radical left has made it look like we've been engaged in offensive warfare in Afghanistan for 20 years. And that's just simply not the case. I mean, yes, we've gone after terrorists, but we're not occupying the land. We're not taking it over. We're not, it's still a nation that was set up to be run by an Afghani government. Yet all that came crashing down because of mismanagement. And they want to blame Trump for this. They want to blame anyone except for for the person in the mirror, uh, the Democrat Party, the radicals. And of course, ultimately, Joseph R. Biden, he is responsible for this. And based upon testimony, he was told, he was warned that this very thing was a possibility. Remember, they've told us all sorts of things. They, they at first acted as though they knew, well, at first they said they didn't know this was going to happen. Then they said they knew it was a possibility, um, but, you know, we had a commitment to to withdraw. You know, we can't ensure the safety of the Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistan people forever. It's not our job to police the world. They've changed their talking points on this a couple times because they know that they're caught. And after this testimony yesterday... Gee whiz. I mean, it's completely dumbfounding to me. How anybody, of course, that's the problem. People don't listen to this. People listen to the media, uh, listen to people tell them what to take from this. But it is damning to hear some of these things. So when we get back, got a couple sound bites. One, I want to play Biden in his initial denial before George Stephanopoulos saying that nobody told him to do this. And then the testimony yesterday before Congress. So we'll do those things when we get back. Please sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. My friends, by the way, program brought to you in part by our friends at Wallace Construction. Wallace Construction, family-owned, over 45 years of experience with asphalt, asphalt paving, seal coating, patching. If you have an upcoming project, give them a call, 317-422-5356. They serve commercial, industrial, residential, municipalities in 
Central Indiana. You can find out more by visiting them online, Wallace Construction Inc. That's I-N-C, Wallace Construction Inc.com. Be uh, sure to tell them you heard about them here on the Todd Huff Show. So here is this clip, this soundbite from Joseph Biden sitting before, President Biden sitting before George Stephanopoulos, right? This was after, right after, soon after um, the Afghanistan debacle that Biden and the left have created for us. And this is the exchange between George Stephanopoulos, who, by the way, every time you listen to George Stephanopoulos, just remember, he is on Team Biden, effectively. I mean, he was a, some would say that's a little bit too, egregious of a way to put it. Um, but he was on Team Clinton, literally. And, you know, it doesn't take many dots to connect to realize that George Stephanopoulos is in the corner <laughs> cheering for the Biden administration. But I guess at least kudos to him for asking some of these questions and pushing back. But I want you to listen to this. This is what Biden told to George Stephanopoulos which, of course, then was his message through that silly show that Stephanopoulos has to the American people. And so this is the the conversation. These are the comments. These are the assertions made by Biden soon after the debacle in Afghanistan. As there's warned against withdrawing on this timeline, they wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, That wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Okay, now, I suppose he has a caveat there because he says, not that I can Recall, that reminds me of Hillary Clinton's common way of getting out of problems. In fact, I remember Paul Shanklin. We now know that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs work. Uh, well, he used to do some parody songs. I think he still might. But I heard him on uh, Russia's program. Um, I can't remember my, bl- my brain's in a blender. Um, Paul Shanklin wrote when Hillary would get asked questions about all the scandals that she was alleged to have been involved in over the course of time, which candidly is an astronomical number. Anyway, so, but Biden says, no, no, nobody had any other recommendation for me. No one, no one in that room, none of the other generals, no military leader recommended keeping any troops in Afghanistan. Now, based upon the testimony that we heard yesterday, um, that doesn't appear. In fact, even where did I see this? Even one of these liberal outlets. I was trying to see if I could find it. Um, even one of the liberal. No, it's Politico. That's where I'm playing this soundbite from. Was Politico? Um, has 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 pulled this soundbite. Um, this conversation between or this this back and forth, a question and answer between. Senator Inhofe of Oklahoma, um, and and the 
generals um, on the that, that were being questioned about this yesterday. Even Politico, who's far, far from a right wing outlet, listen to what it says here. Top generals told lawmakers under oath, this is their tweet yesterday, that they advised President Joe Biden early this year to keep several thousand troops in Afghanistan directly contradicting the president's comments in August that no one warned him not to withdraw troops from the country. Now, this is a little bit longer. There's some back and forth you'll hear from more than one uh, more than one general. But this is, folks, this is damning stuff. Again, as I go back and, again, this, this to me is reminiscent of Benghazi. This, this whole process of trying to politically... CYA, cover your backside, um, and it didn't matter what it cost. I mean, that, that's what it appears like. At least this needs to be looked at because talk about impeachable offenses. Folks, th- this would be, if, if Biden lied to the American people about this, I mean, there, there should be no trust in this administration, none whatsoever, none. Now, I know many of you don't have trust for the administration or Kamala or any particular person in the Democrat Party today, or mostly almost any politician. And I can't say I blame you. But um, this, of course, would only serve to make matters worse. Here's that exchange between Senator Inhofe and the generals testifying before Congress yesterday. I'd ask General McKenzie, did you agree to the recommendation that... um uh, General Miller uh, had two weeks ago. Senator, uh, again, I won't, I won't share my personal recommendation to the president, but I will give you my honest opinion, and my honest opinion and view shaped my recommendation. I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan, and I also recommended earlier in the fall of 2020 that we maintain 4,500 at that time. Those are my personal views. I also have a view that the withdrawal of those forces would lead inevitably to the collapse of the Afghan military forces and eventually the Afghan government. Yes, I understand that. And uh, General Milley, I assume you agree with that in terms of the recommendation of 2,500? What I said in my opening statement and the memoranda that I wrote back in the fall of 2020 remained consistent, and I do agree with that. This committee is unsure as to whether or not General Miller's uh, recommendation ever got to the president. Um, you know, obviously, there are conversations with the president. Yeah, but I would like to ask, even though uh, General McKenzie, I think you've all made this statement, did you talk to the president about General Miller's recommendation? Sir, I was present when that discussion uh, occurred. Mm-hmm. And I'm confident that the president heard all the recommendations and listened to him very thoughtfully. He's confident that the president heard all of the recommendations and listen to them, I don't know exactly how he phrased that there, but basically he was listening to them, to these recommendations, and chose to do something different, which, again, is the president's prerogative. But why? And at what cost? And then to come out and tell the American people through George Stephanopoulos that you don't, um, you don't want to... Well, that you weren't told, I should say. You, you weren't told that 
there was going to be any problem whatsoever, that no one in that room had any problems with the numbers of troops being zero. So, and now there's other developments, there's more testimony. Um, once the decision was was made, um, they did. Well, I don't know if I've got time to play that. Maybe I'll play the soundbite. But basically, there was another exchange, another exchange there um, in the testimony yesterday where I think it was Senator Cotton was asking General Milley about when the Biden administration asked for a kind of a status report on the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And it was 10 days, 10 days after. It's remarkable. It wasn't for 10 days. They didn't ask how things were going, even though it was an unmitigated disaster, which we all knew by then. But they didn't ask their generals for 10 days for a status report. And it sounds like, based upon what I've heard, that the report um, effectively was, can we still get out of there by August 31st? <laughs> it's just crazy. It's just utterly insane. And you'll find articles, if you look, you got to look because the mainstream media doesn't care if you see this. They act like this is not even a thing. Afghanistan's over and done with. Let's focus all of our energy here on passing these pieces of legislation that's going to make America more like a socialist state. But there's still Americans trapped and the numbers, according to people that have been interviewed in these uh, publications and online news sources and so forth, have said that there are, the number of Americans st- uh, stranded in Afghanistan who don't want to be there is much higher than the 100 to 200 number that Biden and his, uh, his cronies, candidly, are saying uh, is, is the case. So anyway, just a lot to unpack here. This, again, is absolutely Beyond beyond my ability as a human being, I get the politics, but to, to make these decisions, to make these decisions on purely political motives and to not care about the consequences, to not care or to think that the cost is worth it just to get your arbitrary date of August 31st. Remember... I remember talking about this. The last plane took off at 11.59, 11.59 p.m., probably 59 seconds, 11.59.59 on, on September, excuse me, August 31st. So now Biden can say, we hit our target. <laughs> but at what cost? And how many people are abandoned? And now we've got a new foe, well, it's an old foe that now has new power and United States military equipment, I might add, and a lot of other things. A network of, well, now a place to maybe build a terrorist network again. Who knows? Absolutely unfathomable. All for some political bonus points here. Quick timeout. Back here in just a minute. Friends, so I want to shift gears here a tad bit. Um, so what about this? Let me find, I'm looking for this article. Here it is. Um, we talked about the results of the Arizona audit, and I think this is the real, the real headline. 
this is this should be the real headline. This is from DJ HJ Media. Headline here: Arizona audit. You ready for this? Now keep in mind this is just Maricopa County. This is one county. It's a big county. But one county in the state of Arizona. Arizona audit could not find the identity of 86,391 voters. They don't appear to exist. They don't appear to exist. I'm going to read a part of this. During the Maricopa County audit, cyber ninjas were unable to identify 86,391 voters. Democrats and no uh, selected party votes made up a whopping 73.8% of the votes or 67,000 excuse me, 63,757 ballots total. Not selecting a party on their ballot makes monitoring of nefarious registrations nearly impossible to verify. So do you remember in the wake of this whole, um, the election was, the election results couldn't be trusted and people were coming out and saying, well, these Republican congressmen or senators who've, you know, question these things. Are they admitting that their election was wrong as well? Which, by the way, is a fair question. But, see, there's there's a difference here. So, if there's evidence to suggest that Republicans had engaged in election fraud, not just individual voter fraud, but something more large-scale, which has been... The allegations of some, like, I know some of these folks, um, some of you folks believe that the truth just isn't getting out. Some folks have lost respect for some of these people. That's, I don't want to necessarily discuss that. I'm just simply saying the allegations that they have made, that they are uh, people like Mike Lindell, Patrick Byrne, Rudy, Jen Ellis, um, so many, so many others, but those are the, the big names, and of course, um, well, others as well. Um, the the point was is that one there was a deliberate. The, the there's evidence or reason to believe, or at least ask questions. We should be able to ask questions here. That there's reasons to question the results, and it appears it appears that this was beneficial to one party or one individual and not to others. So if, for example, let's say, um, you know, there's been athletes accused of throwing boxing matches or whatever, uh, football games, basketball games, just because an athlete, and that's a terrible thing, by the way, about condoning that. But if that happened in game A, that may have nothing to do with game B, Unless there was a larger, a larger effort that um, some folks were trying to get people on board with the larger scheme, a larger, dare I say, conspiracy, dare I say, collusion, to work with one another to make money, to get a, a variety and a number of athletes to throw games simultaneously to help magnify the the earnings the 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 winnings right the amount that you're able to get away with so that's 
kind of the difference. An individual case would be fraud, but a larger, more systematic approach that involved lots of people and coordination and conspiracy and collusion, that's something altogether different, and, and it moves from voter fraud to election fraud. And so now we're looking at, according to this, according to this, that three-quarters of the ballots that appeared to be completely made up, again, this is from DH, or excuse me, DJHJ Media. I think I actually found this on Bongino uh, report earlier uh, today. Forty, Almost 44% of those ballots without any traceable voter were, were Democrat. Almost 39, or excuse me, 30% uh, were people that didn't declare their party. 22% Republican. It doesn't mean that all these are necessarily fake. It just means that there's a problem. We should be able to say who voted in an election. I mean, this seems to be very obvious to me. And the number of votes that they can't you know, say that about far surpasses the number of votes that Trump lost by. He lost by 10, between 10 and 11,000 votes in Arizona. Anyway, wanted to share that with you. These are things you probably don't hear about in the mainstream news. So I'm just passing it along. Quick time out back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So you know that we like to talk on this program. In fact, we talk a lot about the intersection of culture, politics, and religion. I think that that's... That's really where we spend most of our most of our time. Uh, we talk about some of the, I don't know, just political rhetoric of the day or the latest legislation. I don't mean any of that, but but all these things to me are based in and, and they're rooted in worldview. And if you think the government has a solution for all things, that the government is effectively God, you're going to look to the government for things. To, differently than a person who thinks that role has already been taken by the actual creator of the universe and you're going to you're going to see a different role for government like the founders did uh, a limited role and this is i think one of the fundamental things that we have going on in this battle of worldviews it's 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 deeper than just politics what we're what we're really talking about is culture and and worldview so I like talking about these things, and I we've engaged in this. Or you started this the truth tour, and that's you know we're we're taking the message out to help people hear and receive truth. Not that we have it all figured out, but that we have uh, there are things that are true, and when we come to realize those things or they are revealed to us, we should hang on to those things and make sure we defend those and pass those on to the next generation, so that we. Don't make the mistake of abandoning truth and creating problems for ourselves, for our society, for our culture, whatever. So I think there are definitely things that uh, Christians should oppose in a government. There's a lot, but not everything is is can be you know divided like that. Now, the new ge- governor of New York, Hochul, Governor Hochul, She's actually, I get this soundbite of her speaking to um, a group of folks, and she's 
basically, I just listened to this. This is this is utter nonsense. This I would say, if I'm interpreting her, interpreting her the way that I think she wants to be interpreted, this is heretical, unbiblical nonsense. Just listen to what she has to say to the audience. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. Mm -hmm. You know this. You know who they are. (laughs) I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. What in the world is this? I mean, this is crazy. You're the smart ones. People aren't listening to God because they're not listening to the CDC. And the the worst part of this is, she says, I need you to be my apostles. Now, I don't know if she's speaking as though she's saying what God is thinking. Like, hey, people, I need you to go out there and spread the gospel of the vaccine. Um, I don't know if that's what she means or if she's saying she needs people to be her apostles to carry them <laughs> I, the, the message for her as though she's God. You know, I, I say on this program, and I've said it many times, that people on the left, the radical left, believes that government is God. And she's quite literally, if we're to interpret her words as though she means she is looking for personal disciples to carry the message to people because it's loving. It's the what Jesus would have done, get vaccinated. This is utter craziness and nonsense, and it's as though... She doesn't, I, I don't even know if she's, I question whether she's read the Bible with an intent to truly interpret what's being said. I hate to say stuff like that, but that's what I think. Quick time out. Back here in just a minute. moments of the program but look this this is it's amazing to me how the left wants to interject look i'm okay if you interject biblical principles and values to to argue a point but to say this about vaccines it's just so bizarre to me if you love your neighbor you'll tell them to get vaccinated no i think if you love your neighbor you'll tell them about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. That's just me. That's the Bible as well. But I've got to go. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.